1 verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. The week that's coming up, um, well, it actually starts today because today is the first day of the week. Um, but this week that's coming up um, is the most, maybe religious is better, is the most religious week of the entire year. There is no week more religious than this week that's coming up because every religion is celebrating something, is doing something this week. Doesn't matter what religion you say you're from, you, 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 that you're a part of, you are doing something this week. But I can't help myself but to just say this. What God established, man has spent all the ages trying to mimic. So sad. We're so prideful. We're so self-centered that we can't just settle with what the creator has established. We're steady trying to come up with our own method, with our own ways of how we can mimic, of how we can say we're doing something as well, as opposed to what we like to say in corporate America, as opposed to just not reinvent the wheel. We like to reinvent the wheel. Why? Because we like to take credit. And the thing is, what God has done, you can never take credit for. And so we're always uh, constantly trying to figure out a way how we can get some credit. And so this week will be the most religious week that we will experience. And it's religious because mankind will try to take some credit to say this and to say that. And everybody's going to tell you what their religion stands for and what their religion stands for. What do I like to say? I like to say this, in case you are in limbo, you're not sure what's right, you're not sure what's accurate, this is all I need for you to know. If you can find a, a, a religion where man is not the author and man doesn't get the credit of it, then you've, you, you, you found the right religion. But any religion you're following that is authored by man and man get the credit it can't be right. Why? We're too, we, we have too many flaws to claim we're going to have a religion. Yeah, we're going to have a religion. We, we're all flawed in here. I don't care who, as brilliant, the most brilliant person in this world, you're flawed. So how do we come up with a religion? So that's all you got to do. I know what we are a part of here today is the, the, the right thing. But if you want to search to find out what's really legit, just ask yourself this question. Who gets the credit for what you believe in? Who started what you believe in? Who is the author of what you believe in? And if somehow it traces back to a human, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. You ready? All right. 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power. That's the King James Version. I just want to let you hear the NIV Version, which I think will help you to understand that statement just a tad bit better. Same scripture. But here is for you to understand it just a little bit better. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness 
to those who are perishing. Perishing. So people that are not following Christ, that are perishing, this message of the cross is foolishness to them. They're like, that's crazy stuff. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I like that version because it says those who are perishing. So it's not over yet. They still can turn around. But if they continue, they are perishing. And then it comes to us who are trying to understand this and to live right to those who are being saved. So we're working at getting there. We're working at making sure we're in right relationship with God. So we're in the process of getting right with God, in the process of going in the right direction, in the process of eternal life. And then some are in the process of eternal damnation. And so that's the deal about the cross, the message of the cross. Depending on how you view it, it's going to tell you what direction you're heading in. Lord Jesus, will you anoint me to speak as your oracle? Will you touch the hearing of your people that they will receive your word according to how you want them to receive it? I pray today that every person under the sound of my voice will open up their spirit, their heart, to receive the word of God, that the power of the Holy Ghost will transform their lives, never ever to be the same again. Will you fill people with your spirit today that they will know you and, oh God, draw nigh unto you? I pray that before we leave this place today, there will be an encounter, there will be an experience, there will be miracles, signs, and wonders that you will do, Lord. For none of us can do it. No man had the power to do what only you can do. And so we call on the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus that your will be done this afternoon, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled a message today, The Cross, The Power of God. The Cross, The Power of God. Of God. Somebody say it with me. The cross, the power of God. The cross is a geometrical figure consisting of two intersecting beams or bars, usually perpendicular to each other. The beams or bars actually run vertically and horizontally. Let me tell you something about the cross, what the cross is used for and how the cross worked. First of all, understand this. People that were crucified on a cross were people, uh, thieves were crucified on a cross. Uh, people that were, uh, what we like to say, they were spies because this, this also took place in the Roman army and in the armies where if you were a spy, this was the way how they killed you and 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 if you uh just 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 you know crimes that were just so terrible they put you on it and 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 they killed you that way if 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 you died on a cross it meant you were bad you did some terrible things uh, you, it wasn't just regular crimes that you did when you were 
die when you were killed by crucifixion. And so understand that about the cross. It's, 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 it's not for everybody. There were people that were being killed back then, but they weren't placed on the cross because their crime was not a crime that warranted them being crucified. Their crime was, was, was not a crime that they should die the death of crucifixion. And so there were people that, that died then that didn't get crucified on the cross but but there were also people who died that were crucified and the ones that were crucified they were considered the worst kind of criminals they were considered cursed and so that's the way they looked at people that died on the cross by crucifixion here is how crucifixion work i wanted you to understand how because sometimes we 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 say what we believe but we don't go in depth to understand it so it can impact our life with power with power and so here is what happened to someone that's crucified those sentenced to death on a cross is the roman in in the roman period were usually beaten with a leather whip with metal thongs attached at the end of the whip which when it when they when they lashed you, every lash you receive on your back or wherever they did, it it ripped your skin apart. So this was this leather whip with thongs at the end of it that when they hit you with it, when they lashed you with it, it, it ripped your skin apart. And so because of this, it produced great blood loss. When you got whipped before you were crucified, there was great blood loss. And so before you could ever be placed on the cross, you were beaten really bad. And that beating caused you to receive great blood loss. Victims were then generally forced to carry the upper beam of the cross. Here is something that you probably didn't know. A lot of people thought about uh, when Jesus carried the cross, they thought he carried the actual cross. Well, he didn't carry the actual cross. He carried the cross beam of the cross. The, the, the vertical beam of the cross was already at the site where he was going to be crucified. So he carried, it still was heavy. It still was a, a, a heavy piece of wood, but he carried the cross beam of of, of his cross to the execution site where the central stake was already set up. Before he was placed on the cross, the crown of thorn that we read about that was placed on his head, the crown of thorn wa- was now placed on the head. And they didn't just place it on the head. They begin to press it down on the head so it will go through the flesh and go into the skull. And so that's what they did when they put the crown of thorn on his head, pressed it down and make sure it went through the skin and down into the skull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The victim was then fitted on that, that cross, the, 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 the wood that went uh, across they he was stretched wide, and then they used the nails to to nail his hand to 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 that top part of the cross now understand it wasn 't regular carpenter nails because that wasn 't strong enough it was like uh, uh, spikes from railroad tracks, you know, the spikes from the railroad tracks, it was spikes like that. They were long and they were strong. And when they nailed his hands to the cross, it wasn't in the palm. It was in the wrist because the palm didn't have enough bones and, and, and strong enough that he could have been held up that way. So they nailed it right between these two bones in the wrist. That's how they nailed him on. Then when they nailed him on, 
that way. Then they placed it against the vertical beam and then let, put his foot together and nailed it. Remember, all of this is taking place while there is no strength because the beaten had, had taken so much blood from him and he had no strength. And so they put him on this beam. And so now he's finally on the cross. The victim was nailed uh, then with, with those nails and, and fitted on the cross. The suffering of death by crucifixion was intense, especially in hot climates. Severe inflammation coupled with significant bleeding of the jagged wounds produced traumatic fever, which was aggravated by the exposure to the heart, to the heat of the sun, the strain of the body and insufficient thirst, the swelling round about the rough nail nails and the, the torn lacerated tendons and nerves caused by excruciating agony. The arteries of the head and stomach were surcharged with blood and a massive throbbing headache ensued. The mind was confused and filled with anxiety. The victim of crucifixion literally died a thousand deaths. So when someone is crucified, when, when they're crucified, it's not just one thing that's killing them. It's all kind of things that's happening at that moment. All kind of situation. Can you imagine? It's just not one thing. If, if you're in a place where, where you're just filled with just, just, just anxiety and, and, and your mind is all over the place and you're confused and you, you're to the point where you don't even know what's happening and you're in pain and all of these things are happening to you. All of those things are what's killing you, not just the pain alone. The convulsions would tear at the wounds and, and add to the burden of pain till at least the bodily forces were exhausted and the victim sank to unconsciousness and death. So you struggle and struggle till you can't struggle anymore because there's no more strength in you. Because when they nail you to the cross, they leave some wiggle room, meaning they don't let you stretch all the way out where you're just stretched out. They leave a little bit of wiggle room. So if you're on the cross, you can probably do this a little bit. Your knees were bent a little bit so you can do this. Your arms wasn't all the way out so you can move a little bit. But what happened is you're still nailed and so you're moving all kind of ways to try to get comfort but you can't get comfort and you're hurting and you're trying to figure out a way to just be comfortable while you're dying but you can't find a way to be comfortable and sooner or later all of what's going on in your life you just can't anymore and the body says I can't do it anymore and you end up dying. It normally take about 36 hours for some to die but there was a one person that they crucified that, that it didn't take 36 hours. It was a long time. So what they do sometimes in order to speed up the death is they, they, they try to uh, probably give you a blow under your arm. In Jesus' case, they stuck the sword in his side. But that's not what killed him. Studies showed that Jesus died quicker than anybody else that was put on the cross. And the reason why he died quicker than anybody else that was placed on the cross was because of a broken heart.
You see, most of the people that they placed on the cross were people, as we mentioned, that did heinous crimes. And so they placed them on the cross and crucified them. And so for them, it was different. But here we are. We have this man that did no wrong, that was innocent, that, 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 that all he did was just, just all the right things. And nevertheless, they took him and placed him on the cross and they, they put the, the crown of thorn on his head and all that they did and mocked him and, and thrust the sword through his side and all of this stuff and all he could do is stand on that cross and realize, oh, I have not done anything, but I've done this because of those who I love. And so it was because of who he loved, why he did it. And that's why he died of a broken heart. He didn't die because he was wounded with the sword. He didn't die because he was crucified. It might have been coming and that debt might have been evident but the death that he died which was quick was the death of a broken heart because he took on all of what we did and he died he gave his life and it was a broken heart that he had that caused him to die because of all the things that we did now you might still not understand that you might still not understand that Jesus did that to redeem us from our sins. He did that so we would not have to perish. He did that so sin would not control us. He did that so sin will not reign in our life. He did that so we can have peace. He did that so we can have eternal life. I know we still don't understand that, but here is what I can explain to you that you might not, that you might need to understand. I'm probably jumping ahead of my lesson now, but I gotta tell you this because sometimes we don't understand that. The kind of death Jesus died was the death that we said was heinous. They placed people on the cross that did heinous crimes. And Jesus, he died like those people who committed a heinous crime. But here is what me and you need to understand. We were created by Almighty God, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. That's who we were created by. And because we was created by him, the things we do and the things that we did and the things that we will do against him is heinous. And so because of that, we should have been on that cross. Oh, somebody better hear me today. That's why we don't understand this. We should have been on that cross. We, we, we look at it and say, I don't understand how his death did anything for me. Well, what, what, what the death is saying is, if we, if, if he needed to, to punish us the way we needed to be punished, we would be on that cross. Because how can we treat somebody that breathed breath into our body? How can we treat somebody who loves us so dearly? How can we treat somebody who wants to take care of our every need? How can we treat somebody that cares so much about us and want to do everything for us? How can we treat somebody that wants the best for us the way we treat Jesus? If we do that, that's what we should have received was death on the cross. The person that gave us life and that keeps giving us opportunities to get right and to have eternal life and to have peace 
peace. That's what we need to do is thank him for doing what he's done for us. Yes. How often we hear about children disrespecting, especially mother. If we ever read about a child beating his mother to death or a child doing something just deadly to his mother, what would we think of that child? We would say, what is wrong with them? Well, why don't we understand what we are doing to God? Why don't we understand how we're living when we're not obeying God, what we're doing to him? When we're not treating him right for how he has treated us. And that's what this is all about uh, and what we got to understand. Because so often all across this world, we'll hear about the cross for the next week or so. uh, And sometimes people just don't get it. Uh, But I want you to get it uh, and understand uh, the reason why it is important. uh, It's because uh, if he didn't go to the cross, uh, what we deserved would have been for us individually to go to the cross uh, for the crime we committed against him. Colossians 1 verse 20 says this, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven uh, and, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now had he reconciled. I know we don't want to think of ourselves as a certain way, but look at what the Bible says in verse 21. And you, talking about all of us, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. I know you thought that little something that you did, you said, ah, that wasn't that bad comparing to people that kill and shoot people. Uh, Stop comparing your stuff to people that do stuff in this world. We're talking about the crimes that we've committed against our Savior, the one that gave us life. That's the crimes we're talking about, not the crimes that we look at in the world today and say, oh, he stabbed her, he killed her, he shot her, he committed this crime. No, we're talking about the crime of what we have done against our Savior. The Bible says evil works. And now he said, Jesus says, even though those works was evil, I'm still going to reconcile you in the body of his flesh through death to present you here we go we don't like this word because it's a curse word to us and present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable what it means unreprovable what it means is unaccused in his sight God said what I'm going to do is going to cause you to be holy what I'm going to do is going to cause you to be unblameable what I'm going to do is going to cause you to be unaccused when I look at you for what I did on the cross when I now look at you there's no accusation against you what I did on the cross when I look at you you're unblameable when I look at you for what I did on the cross you will be a holy people And so uh, don't you worry about a thing. Uh, What I have done uh, will lift you. Uh, What I have done uh, will transform you. Uh, What I've done uh, will make my 
surpass in you righteous. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Are we understanding this? Are we understanding this thing here that God, no matter the crime that you committed against him, no matter what you did against him, no matter how you treated him, God said, it's okay. I'm still going to make a way for you. It, 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 it doesn't matter. I'm not looking at your wrong. I, 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 my, 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 my desire is for you one day to get on the right path. And even when you're not on the right path, God is your greatest cheerleader. He's cheering you on and says, I know you can do it, Alexa. I know you can do it, Ryan. I know you can do it, Tom. I know you can do it, Sam. Go ahead. I know you're not on the right track always when you need to be, but I'm with you because I'm your God. I'm the one that went to the cross and died of a broken heart. I'm the one that gave my life for you and so I will be your greatest cheerleader. I will be the one encouraging you. I will be the one to have your back. I will be the one to help you when nobody else will help you because I went to the cross for you. I bore your sins in my body. I did all I could have done to help you and so I got your back. You keep on going. You don't let nobody get you down. You keep Keep on going. Uh, don't let people make you feel bad. Uh, you keep on going. Uh, don't you stop trying to serve me. Uh, you keep on going uh, because one day uh, I will receive you unto myself. Uh, you just keep on going. Somebody give God some praise. He is your greatest cheerleader. He is the one that's for you. He is the one that's behind you. He is the one that's in front of you. He is the one that's beside you. And he is the one that's in you. God is good. God is good. What he has done for us. We can't, we can't just let it be, oh, by the way. We, we can't just let it be, yeah, God died for my sins. We got to get a hold of this thing the right way and realize uh, how much he cares, uh, how deeply he cares, uh, how he has plans for you. Uh, he's not going to do that for somebody that has no, 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 no hope. Uh, he's not going to do that for somebody that has no purpose. Uh, can I tell you today, uh, you have purpose. Uh, you have a reason for being here. Uh, you have purpose uh, and your purpose exceeds uh, working at a job. Your purpose exceeds being a mother or being a father. Your purpose exceeds making money. Your purpose in God is something special. It's divine. And all you got to do is open up yourself to God and say, God, I thank you for all that you've done. But I want your purpose for my life to be fulfilled in me. I don't want to live without purpose in you. I don't want to exist without purpose in you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He didn't die for a people that had no purpose. He didn't die for a people who had no hope. He didn't die for a people that could not do things. He died for some people that he created. He died for some people that he gave breath to. He died for some people that was created in his image. He died for some people that would do great things in this earth. That's who he died for. People like you and me. We gotta understand this about God. Let me tell you something. Don't you let guilt or condemnation take hold of you too long. It will come. Believe me, I know, I live in this flesh just like you. Guilt and condemnation condemnation will come to you. What does that mean, preacher? When you do something wrong and you feel bad and it makes you back up. Guilt make you back up and start staying away from people. Guilt make you back up and start hiding. Guilt make you start going in your own direction. Guilt make you stop coming to church. Guilt make you just stay away. Guilt make you stop clapping your hands. Guilt make you stop worshiping God. Because guess what? You keep hearing that voice in your head saying, I don't know why you're clapping your hands. You know what you did. I don't know why you're worshiping God. You're a little hypocrite. I don't know why you're going to church. You ain't going to heaven. That's what guilt says, but God didn't go to the cross for you to be guilty. He went to the cross to make you innocent. Come on and clap your hands unto Jesus. I want you to let loose and shake off that guilt and shake off that guilt and shake off that guilt. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. Shake off that guilt. Devil, look at Calvary's cross. My daddy didn't go to that cross just so I can live in guilt. My daddy didn't go to that cross just so I can stay in condemnation. My daddy went to the cross so I can be free from guilt and free from condemnation. He went to the cross so I can have eternal life. Yeah, that's what the devil wants you to think. He want to shut you down. And the way he does it is just keep piling on the guilt. Keep piling on the guilt. But you got to keep on telling him, look at the cross. Look at the cross, devil. You can tell me how wrong I am. You can tell me how terrible I am. But devil, the Bible says all have sinned. And that includes me and my neighbor and everybody else. And even though I'm not worried about everybody else, I'm only worried about me right now. I know I messed up. But look at the cross. My daddy didn't go there just so I can stay in my sin. My daddy didn't go there just so I can be condemned. My daddy went there that I would be free and have peace and have eternal life. Man, he tries to get us, get us. He tries to make us feel condemned. What's condemnation? Condemnation is what is a is a, is a is a spirit that the 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 adversary, Satan, is a real devil that exists. He makes you feel condemned. And, huh. Here's the Holy Ghost. Here's the Holy Ghost. Oh, when you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can help you. Here's here's what the Holy Ghost just gave me. People are committing suicide because the devil has condemned them.
Oh, God, help us. If God is telling me that somebody in here is struggling and battling. Oh, hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Help us today, Lord. 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 The devil used condemnation and tell you, you have no hope. You have no hope. And whatever you're dealing with, whatever you have experienced, whatever struggle you have internally, the devil is trying to get you to take your life. He's trying to get you to end it all because he's trying to tell you, no hope. Nothing going to go good for you. Your, 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 your future is just dull and dark and nothing will happen for you. But I'm here to tell you today, God want me to tell you, he didn't go there. So you can take your life. He didn't go there so you would have no hope. He didn't go there for you to just die a death. Oh, taking your life. I'm here to tell somebody today that Jesus Christ is the power of God. He went to the cross and I will not condemn myself. I will not take my life because he died so I can live. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. He died so you can live. He didn't die for you to take your life. He didn't die for you to end it all. He died so you can live. I tell you, I love the Lord. He's so good. Somebody, you need to worship. He is so good. God loves us so much. He never, never, never leave us alone. When you're in your darkest hour and when you're in the worst part of your life and the worst situation, the Spirit of God will show up. The power of God will show up. And if you want Him, He will come into your life. He will speak to you. He will touch you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. He will change you. Oh, somebody worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against that spirit of suicide. I come against that spirit of trying to end it all. Oh, God, by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, I come against that spirit. Oh, God, I bind it in Jesus' name. I cast it in out of darkness in Jesus' name. The message of the cross seemed foolish to some people. Oh, God. The message of the cross seemed foolish to some people. Oh, yes. It seemed foolish. You know why it seemed foolish? Because it don't fit man's intellect. The Lord dropped a a, a thought in my mind this morning. This morning, he says, let them know that... The reason why the cross became ineffective in so many people's life is because of the tradition that they built up in their life. Here is what he's trying to get us to understand. The Jews rejected that Jesus Christ was the Messiah for many reasons. But the final reason was this. Curse be everyone that hangs on that tree. That's what the Bible says. Curse be everyone. And the Bible is so clear. We call it the wooden cross or the, you know, whatever. But it's a tree. That's how you get wood, right? So the Bible says, curse be everyone that hangeth from a tree. So when Jesus died his final death, hanging from the tree on the cross, the Jews said, that couldn't have been our God. Why? Because they came up with a tradition that only cursed people go to the cross. Their thoughts of how they saw the cross 
you're cursed when you go there. So when he finally got crucified, even if some had some belief that it could have been, they left it alone. Can't be. Because only cursed people get hung. Only cursed people go on that cross. So that can't be our God. So still today, there are many Jews that are missing out on this just this pretty and beautiful truth of the word of God, this salvation message, because they're saying, that couldn't have been our Messiah. Our Messiah wouldn't be on no tree. No, 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 no. That's their tradition. Then the Gentiles, everybody else, the Greeks, they say, listen, the Bible calls them in those days philosophers, smart. Everything comes from a thought. They got to be able to study it out and figure it out and then come up with some intellectual, sophisticated, you know, idea. Well, how can any God come and die and be God? That makes no sense. When you're dead, that's it. You're done. How many people say that? When you're dead, that's it. You're done. You're defeated. How many people say that? So the tradition of the philosophers, the Gentiles, is we're too smart to believe some junk like that. The Jews are... No, 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 no. Our God ain't cursed. So they're missing out on this beautiful message today because they came up with an ideology that tells them that's how they need to believe. And so the Lord is saying to every one of us today, don't you allow your tradition. I went to the prison on Friday and taught. And every time, every time I teach this, I see some people quiver and I see some people shake and I see some people just don't want to hear when I tell them Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Nobody was worthy enough to to die for us because all of us were sinners and all of us had done wrong. And you can't have children in heaven because flesh and blood is not in heaven. So there's no possible way to create create a son in heaven. It's not possible. As a matter of fact, when you get to heaven, there will be no marriage because you will have a body that will not be like this body. So no children can be created in heaven. I said, so it was God who was a spirit that became a human and came through the birth process and was born into this world and grew and, and lived and never sinned and never did wrong and still remained God while he was. And people don't like that message. I see them cringe. I see them turn. I see them trying to figure out a way. And I'm here to tell you it's because of your tradition. I'm here to tell you it's because of what you believe. It's not because you are having faith. It's not because you're trusting God and understand the lengths that he has gone through to save you. I can't tell you how many times i got to tell people, I am not sending my son to do what I should do. People, people get all worked up every time I tell them about Jesus Christ is God manifest. It's not two gods. It's not Jesus and then God. It's God in Christ. It's not two. It's not three. One God in Christ. Only way you don't accept that because you're holding on to a tradition. The Jews are still lost because of their tradition. A lot of Gentiles are still lost because of their tradition. Will you be lost because of your tradition? Because you don't want to accept that? Because to you, that's foolishness. Now you're starting to fit the scripture as it said. To some, foolishness. Will you allow yourself to be that in the scripture? Foolishness. Oh, what are you saying? How can that be possible? 
because you are a great philosopher. You are educated and smart, and you're bringing your education in the arena of the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, if you read some more in that text, it says God will make the wise of this world foolish. How can you go up against your creator? How can you go up against the one that breathed breath into your nostrils? How can you go up against the one that knows your thoughts before you get them? How can you go up against the one that knows every strand of hair on your head by number? How can you go up against that God? How can you go up against that God that woke you up this morning? How can you go up against that God that keeps you? How can you go up against that God that had this earth spinning on the axis and everything in order? How can you go up against this God that caused the climates to change and caused nature to keep going? How can you go up against this God with your intellect? That's what we're doing when we reject this message. That's what we're doing when we come to church and we don't respond. We are now saying it's foolishness. But I'm here to tell you today, God died for you on that cross. It ain't going to be foolishness to me. We got to get to the place sometimes. Somebody hear me today. Oh, can we humble ourselves and just say sometimes, I don't understand all of it. I can't explain all of it. And you might ask me something about some scripture that I can't even begin to tell you about it. But I just believe and I know that what God says, what his word says, is true. And if I just practice it, if I just live it, God will prove it to me. And the reason why I'm not seeing it is because I won't try it. How many of us has ever tried fasting for three days? How many has ever tried fasting for three days? Praying and reading. Don't tell me you didn't feel like somebody's different, saying something is different here. I haven't eaten in three days. I've read the word of God. I've prayed. I've worshipped God. And I can tell I'm a different person. I can tell something is working in me. That is not me. I'm telling you, if you will try it, you will experience it. We're trying to tell that God's stuff don't work and we never tried it. I'm almost there. I'm done. So we're calling it foolishness. Because we didn't invent this. Because we didn't invent this thing called salvation. We call it foolishness. The message of the cross is not a speculation by men. But it's a revelation from God. The message of salvation is not the speculation of men. It's a revelation from God. And we have a hard time with it because guess what? We go to God all arrogant. We go to God all self-centered. We go to God just thinking that he have a right to tell you. Oh no, baby. He is God Almighty. And he's the one that knows everything. And if you go to him self-centeredly, if you go to him all haughty and going demanding, who do you think you are? He, you didn't create him. He created you. And so you better wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. You better wait upon the Lord. And he will tell you what needs to be done. But you don't have the right to approach God any kind of way. Because you didn't create him. He created you.
I'm done. I'm done. We keep thinking that this cross thing is foolishness. And we keep thinking, how can that work? You're not going to be any different than the, the scholars and the philosophers from back in those days. That, that, that if they couldn't conjure it up, if they couldn't think it up, if they couldn't study it out, they was rejecting it. That's what we're going to come become like. And we have to be careful that we don't try to figure out everything about God. Because, honey, this is what I'm going to tell you. God revealed things to his friends. God revealed things to people that he got a tight relationship with you. With Why, why should he tell you anything? What you going to do with it anyway? Listen, if you're a smart individual, you only tell personal things to people who you trust. That ain't going to tell your business to others. Isn't that how we do it? So why should God share his secrets with you? Where are you? Are you close enough to him that he can share a secret with you? Huh? Huh? So don't get mad at God when he don't tell you stuff. Get closer to him. And when you get closer to him, he's going to say, all right, I can trust you. I can trust that you're going to do something with what I tell you. See, the problem is uh, God can tell us everything that we need to hear. And guess what we're going to do? Just keep it as head knowledge. Know what we're going to do with it? Sit around and become the smartest person in the room. Because we like that. We like to sound the smartest. We like to be the most intelligent. We like to show our knowledge. We like to show who we are. And so if God shared a lot of things with a lot of people here today, all we're going to do with it is just let people know how smart we are. We're not going to use it. Uh-huh. Listen to me as I close. Until we obtain faith, we won't realize the meaning of the cross. Until God reveal himself to us until we get into a place where the truth of the word of God is being preached. We can't obtain faith. The Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if you don't hear the word of God consistently, you will not be able to obtain faith. If you don't hear the preaching of who God is all the time, you won't obtain faith. Let me tell you, I got to slip this in. We are so busy trying to figure out the process of how God became man that we missed the message. Yes, we're trying to figure out the process of how God became a man that we missed the message that God was incredible in what he did to become a man, to die for us. We missed that whole message still saying, how can, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that that God is offering me this eternal life and I'm trying to figure out how it's going to happen? I wonder if we can go back and ask the children of Israel when when Moses parted the Red Sea, if they said, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh, 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 send it all the way back and tell, wait, let me try it first. Are we going to sink? Hold on. Well, let me see. Yo, the sand is dry. I guess we good. Take your time, though. Ooh, it's not muddy. It's okay. We can go. Come on, y'all. We can go. It's not muddy. I wonder if that's what they did. 
Or were they smart enough to say, if we don't get across this Red Sea, Pharaoh and all his army will destroy us. As soon as that Red Sea parted, oh, let's go, baby. Let's run through that Red Sea. Because if we don't go, Pharaoh and his army, they're coming for us. Are we in that kind of mindset right now to know that the devil is coming after you and sin is trying to destroy you and you don't need to be testing the waters. You need to jump in. You need to get through and leave all that stuff behind. We tested it out. How can God, are you kidding me? The message of the cross to those who are perishing is like a ship drifting. Uh-huh. It's like a ship drifting. It's like someone that is sick and rejecting the very remedy to make them well. When we're trying to figure this thing out, that's what we're doing. When we're rejecting this thing, that's what we're doing. We're drifting into eternal destruction, and we're still trying to figure out, is this medicine good for me? I wonder if I take this, it'll work. And you being assured that it's going to work. The ship that's drifting and can't be navigated back on the path, and you think you're going to end up in a good place. That's what happens when we think this message is foolishness. But the Bible says, But to them who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. To us that are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. Oh, somebody help me today. There is no force like the power of God. Of God. That will change human. Nothing can change you. I know sometimes some women think they can change men. Men never think they can change women. You've heard me talk about that before, right? That when a man see a woman, what he sees is all he think about. That's it. He never go further than that. He, okay. So she can cook. She look good. Whatever we look for. We stay right there. Woman see man, that's decent. I can do something with that. But you hear the, the, the talk, I can do something with that. So the woman see the man as he's a work in progress. The man see the woman as just like that. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Oh, Alexa and uh, Ryan are saying, oh, preacher, wait, wait, don't go in that area. Don't go in that area. Don't go in that area. Yeah, that's how it works. That's how brothers do. That's how God made us. You want me to help you out with that real quick? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she should be called women. Woman. Yeah. So that tells you all you need to know. What he saw was all that he can see. He never thought about anything else. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she bad. I don't care how long you've been a preacher. I don't care how long you've been a reverend. If a bad girl walked through, you're going to say, ooh, she bad. But just look the other way real quick. I don't care. Don't let them lie to you. 
if 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 he a man and he's got breath, I don't care how long he call himself reverent. If she walking and she bad, he said, "Whoa, she bad," because we have that nature from way back when, when Adam saw Eve. Oh snap! Oh man! And here's Eve. She got to have a conversation with the devil. You see what I mean? That's what she did. She, she, I got to, I got to, I got to learn who he is. I got to understand this. Every time something goes wrong with women, you got to explain this to me because I need to understand this. I got Bible. You see what I'm saying? She stood there and had a conversation with the devil because she got to understand something. I don't understand. You got to explain this to me. Man, one of the best things a woman could ever do is, I don't need to know. But she can't even do it because it's just part of who she is. She can't even do it. She got to always know. But that, that, that's that thing that get her in trouble. Because she got to always know. That's how she got messed up the first time in the garden. She got to know. What you mean, devil? God didn't say we can't eat of the tree. And she having a discussion. And Adam's just stuck over there just looking at her. Man, she looked good. He had me stop the thing that she had the conversation with the devil over there. All he can look at is, look how good she looked. Man, God hooked me up. And she had a conversation with the devil. That's what happened. And it's still going on today. That's what happened. So we got to be careful. So the only thing that can change us is the power of God. We see when the flesh is involved, what's going on is the power of God. Man can't change woman, and woman can't change man. So the gist of it is some woman think they can change the man. No, you can't. Marry him, and you find out, Lord, I can't change him. Yeah. You thought he was going to fold up his clothes and put it neatly in his drawer. You thought he was going to remember to take out the garbage all the time. You thought he was going to make sure the yard is all nice and manicured. You thought he, yeah. And he's not doing none of that. You set yourself up. Don't get mad at him. You thought that you was getting the man like, you can get him to do all of that. You thought that. The man never told you you can do that. I tease my wife all the time. Because, you know, I was a little Christian. I was a little bit of Christian when I met her, so... Um, I told her, girl, feel my hands. <laughs> feel my hands. I said, you don't feel nothing on that thing, boy. <laughs> this, this thing is soft. <laughs> I don't know how to do all that stuff. <laughs> Just pray that I got money and I will pay for everything. <laughs> I, I didn't promise her I was no hard worker and I can get this done and get that. I never promised that. Now, I don't walk around saying it because I ain't going to try to get her upset. I try, You know, you try to, you got to have some wisdom. So I don't walk around saying, girl, I already told you before I got married to you. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm just telling y'all today, I told her, feel these hands, girl. I ain't never did no hard work in my life. So guess what? Just let me just pay for that. What you need? Okay, I'll get a guy to do that. What you need? Okay, I got a guy to do that. Thank God he's been good to me where I had a job all these years that can help me take care of my family because that's what I do. <laughs> okay, give me a second. Let me save up and put some money aside and I can do that. and Do that. But don't think I'm going, you know, getting under no cars, you know. Don't, don't, don't think I'm, I'm, I'm laying no tiles or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Don't think I'm doing no drop ceiling and all that stuff. You know, no, that's not me, sister. 
And what make it worse, my wife came from a family of a lot of boys, you know, and they try to do stuff. They think they can fix cars. They think they can lay tile, you know. I, I get around them. I see them doing I say, okay. <laughs> I, I, thought, I didn't volunteer talking about let me help. No, uh, no, go ahead, lay tiles. <laughs> I'm supposed to be talking about the cross. The cross, the power of God. The, the, the cross had the power to change us. And, and, and when you say the cross, you ought to understand that if you look to the cross, the cross can change you because God, the, this is wrong. You don't think that's wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, for instance, if I wasn't saved, I couldn't see nothing wrong with a little glass of red wine every once in a while. If I was not saved, I would say, eh, come on, wine is good for the soul. Come on, nothing wrong with a little bit of red wine. Matter of fact, I read a statistic the other day that said you drink a little bit of red wine and once in a while it gives you longer life. Uh-huh. Red wine, dark chocolate, a little stuff like that. You know. So in your mind, well, I don't see what's wrong with that. But when you get born again of the warden of the spirit, somehow you pour that red wine and you just feel like, I don't need a preacher to tell me that because the, the Bible already talks about that. But somehow, even before you read that verse in the scripture, you just know, nah, nah, nah. I remember when I surrendered my life to God. I'm finished here. I was drinking me. That was the third time. I know. Probably about the fourth time, fifth time I'll be done. I was drinking. Uh, uh, um, we're descending. I was drinking one of those, what is it, 20 ounce beer? We used to call him the big boy. No, 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 no. See? Isaiah? I don't like to let y'all into my worldliness because y'all don't have nothing on me. Nothing. This is why y'all need to thank God every day this boy's preaching because I don't know how. Listen. 40 ounces, then we got stylish and got the 20 ounce Becks and the Heineken. They were, you had three different sizes. You had the regular size that come in a six pack, then you got the, the 20, 20 ounces, that's the big boy. It's called big boy in case y'all didn't know. Then you got a 40 ounce. Man, I got to teach y'all. Don't go out there drinking. Because now you let me explain the whole thing. Like, come on now. No, it was the 20 ounce. We call those the big boys. Tall boys, whatever way you want to call them. And so I was drinking, took a couple sips, and all of a sudden, in my house, and you're talking about somebody that used to drink, I just come home and just drink just to unwind. So, anyway, I just come home to drink just to unwind. And I took a couple sips, and all of a sudden, something just didn't feel right. My wife, before she was my wife, was there that night. I went in the sink, went in the kitchen, and poured it all down the sink and put that bottle down. That's been 20-something years ago. And none of you probably in here used to drink like me. Now, I ain't talk. I went, well, I ain't going to touch that. But anyway, my point is, as God began to work in my life, I became aware of things. That I, I became uncomfortable with certain things. 
That's the power of God. And that's what we don't realize about God, that when you really get into this thing with the Lord, you start to feel things. So here is what I need to tell you. Please, when you begin to feel convicted and you begin to struggle with certain things, don't push your way through. That's God trying to back you off of certain things. Don't try to quantify it to say, I don't think nothing is, I don't see anything wrong with this. Don't quantify it. That's your tradition. That's you trying to be a philosopher and understand everything instead of just having faith that it's the Spirit of God working uh, on your behalf that's backing you up and trying to take you away from some things you used to do uh, and trying to take you into some things that God wants for your life. we got to stop fighting with the Spirit of God. It's the power that will help us uh, to become what God wants us to become. And so when you feel that pull or that push by the Spirit of God to do something, stop fighting it. Stop fighting it. I could have kept fighting. Man, that was just that night. I never forgot. My wife was with me before my wife. When I went around my friends and I told them I'm going to church now. And my wife was with me. Yo. My boy Butter. Yo. You ain't doing nothing with that. No, man, I don't have sex no more because I'm not married. When I get married, that's when I have sex. But I'm not going to have no sex until I get married. Yo, they started laughing at me. They thought I was going crazy, stone cold. Yo, they called me by my nickname. He ain't doing nothing no more, yo. (laughs) Eyes wide open. I said, no, I ain't doing nothing no more. I know you see me with her, but ask her. Ain't touching her yet until we get married. That wasn't me because my nature don't say that. My nature said, yo, you know. I'm just telling you about the power of God. And when you allow the power of God to work in your life, it will change you. You have to stop fighting the power of God. As God is moving you, you have to start saying, okay, God, I give you the access. That's why it's important that we need the Holy Ghost. And we need to pray every day and pray till we feel the power of God working in us. Till we talk in tongues. And then the Spirit of God change us. And we become free. And then we become comfortable with the things of God and not the things of the flesh. Stand with me. The cross, the power of God. The cross is the power of God. And we got to understand that if we allow the cross to speak, if the cross speak, it tells us the ransom has been paid. Atonement accepted. The law is magnified. Justice is satisfied. Mercy is no longer bound by the unsatisfied demands of judgment. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We got to realize the cross, the power of God. The cross is the power of God. And the only way we're going to experience it is if we put our tradition and we put our our intellectual thinking and trying to figure out and trying to have preconceived ideas of what we think is supposed to happen when we pray, of what we think is supposed to happen when we worship. If we would just get all of those things out of our mind and just just let God have his way in our heart and in our thought, I believe we will experience uh, some transformation. I believe we will 
experience deliverance and we'll be able to walk in the liberty and the power of God. But we got to realize what the cross means. Somebody here today need to surrender to God. God is trying to redirect your direction. He's trying to get you to go in the way that he wants you to go. God is speaking to hearts here today. God has spoken to many today. And if God has spoken to you, I think you need to look to him now. You need to look to him now of what he did on the cross. Don't you let yourself just walk out of here without looking to God. How about we take this moment and look to God. If you would like to come out of your seat and come up this way and pray with me just to look to God before you leave here. Why don't you come? Don't you come out of your seat and come and look to God and let God speak to your heart today. Before you go, before you leave here today, let God just speak to your heart because God has spoken today and he wants to help you. He wants you to know that he's for you. He wants you to know that he is your greatest supporter and not just your God. He wants you to know he wants you to be friends with him, to be one with him. He wants his spirit to dwell in you and live in you, that you will have the power to be changed, that you will have the power to be free, that you'll have the power to be delivered. Will somebody just trust the Lord today and by faith open up your heart, open up your spirit and give God all of you that he can touch you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray for some of you today. So if you feel my hand touching you, just know that I'm just praying that God will bless you and keep you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're here today asking and petitioning for the will of God to be done. Lord, the cross, oh God, how can we ever repay you? There is no way to repay you but just to answer the call. But to answer the call of God. And I pray that you will surrender all of yourself unto the Lord and let the Spirit of God have control in your life and let the power of God transform your life Father in the name of Jesus I pray that there will be a work that you will perform in your child's life that will change him that will transform him Ah, Lord Jesus I pray for deliverance and strength wholeness in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Father touch your child let her know how much you love her Let her know that no matter what, you've been there. Your eyes has always been upon her. And you've seen her goings and her comings. You've seen her struggles and her challenges. And Lord, you prepared this day that she will hear from you. God prepared this day for you. He wanted you to know how much he loves you. He wanted you to know that he knows everything. He knows what's going on in your heart. And guess what? He says, I will be there for you, my child. I will be there for you, my child. It doesn't matter what the challenges are. It doesn't matter what the struggles are. I will be there for you, my child. That was me that spoke to you. That was me that spoke to you. I want you to know that I'm real. In spite of what you have thought, in spite of what you have heard, in spite of what you were told, I wanted you to know I'm real. I'm real. And it could have been worse. 
but I always had my eye on you. I was never going to leave you by yourself. I was always going to reveal myself to you that you could be free. Today, in the name of Jesus, Lord, will you deliver her? Will you deliver her, Lord? Will you deliver her, Lord? By the power of the cross, by the authority of the word of God, will you set her free? Will you lift the weights and the sins that so easily beset her? I pray the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to liberate you and to make you free and to cleanse your sins in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you will constrain her in righteousness and that you will order her steps, Lord God, and that you will keep her from danger and keep her from all harm. Lord, have your way in her life. Have your way in her life. Have your way in her life. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Today, receive the salvation of the Lord. Today, receive from God the greatest gift of eternal life. Don't settle for less, for God has prepared eternal life for you. God has a great life in store for you. And don't you allow the naysayers or any thoughts to cloud that word from the Lord. Oh God, I pray your blessing. I pray a blessing. I pray a blessing. I pray a power. Oh God. The word of God said it is the